Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It is the Utopia Football Podcast, the uh, middle of the week episode here, heading into week four. The Steelers coming to town for J.J. Watt and his Ring of Honor induction. That's why they're coming, and they're going to play a football game against the Texans too. And we'll get into all that and uh, all the good vibes going on around the Texans right now. We've got a mailbag as well. We've got a bunch of mailbag questions that we'll get to on the show. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, alongside my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, I don't know if you're feeling it, if you're getting some of that vibe, either on social media or people you talk to. I know you had a function today. This is the last two days on the heels of that upset win over Jacksonville is by far the most optimistic Texan fans have been since the end of the 2019 season. So far, I hope the bubble doesn't get burst. We've only watched them win one game, but uh, Jacksonville started terribly last year, bounced back over the last part of the season. Of course, got the second round of the playoffs, but they can't beat the Texans when they host them. And it's amazing. They can't beat them almost at all. It's 10, 10 of the last 11, but yeah, People are pumped about the Texans. They're pumped about the Astros because the Astros actually won a game that counted. Yeah. The, as far as the Texans go, John, and the win over Jacksonville, like they beat Jacksonville every year in Jacksonville pretty much for the last five or six years. But I, I think, I mean, a lot of it has to do with C.J. Stroud, I think, that the, this is the first one of those teams, at least in the last three or four years, that has had a, a, a young quarterback, super excited, I guess in the last three years since Deshaun was here. Um, that, that they're really, really excited about. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I'm get, we got a lot of correspondence on the show today, either on the phone or on the text page or whatever, of people going, yeah, you know what, I'm not expecting them to win a Super Bowl or anything, but they're, I'm excited about the quarterback. And the other thing they said, John, is they're fun to watch. You know, this team has been fun to watch so far. Even in the games they lost, probably not so much Baltimore, but definitely Indianapolis, where CJ had the 384 yards passing is that I think people are starting to feel like, okay, this has the at least the initial the the initial indications that that a good football team is on the horizon. I think Albert Breer used the phrase a light the light is at the end of the tunnel right now for the Texans. Well they won one game and I'm glad that a lot of people are excited. I want to see them win another one. If they beat Pittsburgh, I'll be pumped about them this season. But uh, boy Jacksonville, they just handed it to the Jaguars. 20 points. You know, I thought they'd get beat by 20 points. They all play great. Secondary, uh, without sacks, without a lot of hits on the quarterback, secondary still played well. Offensive line played better than anybody could have anticipated. Could get really ugly Sunday with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. But they should be able to bask in the victory. People I saw say, don't get carried away. We're getting carried away for one week. This time next week, people may be thinking Nick Casario should be fired again because a couple of guys he drafted got hurt. But uh, right now, it's a good feeling all over the stadium. Yeah, I mean, it's just been such hell the last three years. If anybody comes at me saying, "Man, I don't pump the brakes," it's only three games. They can go to hell, honestly. Like I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy this. The, the, not just the win, because like I said, they beat in Jacksonville before. I'm gonna enjoy the fact that it's guys that the guys who affected that win most prominently are guys that you feel are going to be on this team five years from now. 
six years from now. It's not Rex Burkhead running for 140 yards against the Chargers. It's not Terod Taylor at quarterback. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun, man. And along those lines, well, before we get into some of the odds on some of the awards, because I think that's indicative too of some of the maybe stock up aspect of the Texans right now, Jalen Petrie should be coming back this week. John, how important is that for the Texans this weekend against the Steelers and overall for the coming season? Well, I think it's, it is overall. They didn't miss him in the game Sunday. You know, Eric Murray and MJ Stewart, the backup safeties, they've made big plays in the first two games for that have forced turnovers. And uh, But it'll be first time they've had Petrie and Ward, their starting safeties, at the same time, and they'll need them. You know, they're, Steven Nelson has played really, really well. He's been good. At corner. Yeah. And uh, – Nick probably should have given him a bigger raise. He's going to know he's going to play like this. And and uh, I thought the backup, Shaquille Griffin, played well. Now, they didn't look like against Jacksonville, at least, like they missed Derek Stingley Jr. and Tavier Thomas. We don't know when those guys are going to be back. We don't know when Laramie Tunsil is going to be back. Uh, they were acting like he's going to play. But D'Amico said something in one of his interviews last week about Tunsil, and I thought at the time, that's strange, but I thought he was coming back, that uh, he had an issue, and I think he said something like he, he took care of it or we took care of it, and that makes me think, was there some kind of procedure done mm-hmm. on his knee? And if that's the case, he might be out another game or two, but not worried about IR. The best thing about this game is when it's over, I'm guessing they're going to get Titus Howard back. I'm guessing mm-hmm. they're going to get Juice Scruggs back. And I've watched Jarrett Patterson slow, mo- super slow motion now every game, and I think he's played pretty well. Will they keep him in center? Will they move him left guard? Will they put Juice Scruggs back at center? Will Josh Jones go to left guard? But they need those linemen back, and they are coming off their best game. It's weird when you see a team rush 86 yards and 3.3 a carry, and you're like, yeah. wow, that's great. Boy, yeah, they were uh, they were a real juggernaut in the run game with 86 yards. But, you know, they did enough, John. They had a few negative plays in the run game, but I thought towards the end of the game they ran it when they needed to. Um, couple, it was a couple hard, tough run plays by Damian Pierce that set up the third and three that was the deep shot to Tank Dell. You know, if it's third and nine or third and 11 on that series, you're not probably not doing play-action deep shot to Tank Dell. So, if they can, I'm not expecting them to run for 150 yards, but if they can just stay ahead of the chains, it's it's pretty evident right now they've got a quarterback that can move the ball through the air. And that's really, really good, John, most importantly, on third down. C.J. Stroud is first or second in damn near every category in the NFL on third down. Yards, touchdowns, yards per attempt, no turnovers. He's been excellent on have-to-have-it-downs for this team. And along those lines, John, odds check. C.J. Stroud is the new favorite for Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL for the 2023 season, plus 250. This is where I would queue up Cool in the Gang celebration right now if I had a DJ sitting here right next to me. Three weeks in, Stroud's the favorite. Bijan Robinson struggled, uh, as did the Falcons, in that game they lost, and Stroud has played great. He's exceeded everybody's expectations. And a lot of people around the league don't realize they said, well, the Texans missed four starters in the offensive line, and three of those guys weren't supposed to be starting to begin with. So they have – it's remarkable what he's doing. They're doing a great job coaching him. He mentioned all four coaches, Bobby Slowick, Gerard Johnson, Shane Day, Bill Lazor, seen two, the last two senior offensive assistants with a lot of experience. 
they all have a hand in it. And I was glad to see Stroud give them some love, but his his personality continues to blow me away. How mature, level-headed, cool he is. And when he talks, he's not going to stand up in front of a room and command the room. But when you listen carefully to what comes out of his mouth, he's just so impressive. Very much so. I think that's how he commands a room. He doesn't do it with an over-the-top personality, but he says incredibly intelligent and thoughtful things. John, if you had 100 bucks, which of these bets would you place? Because here are the odds that involve the Texans. Texans, 8-1 to one to win the division. D'Amico Ryans, 22-1 to one to win Coach of the Year. So you'd win over $2,000 if you hit that one. C.J. Stroud, I just mentioned, 2.5-1 to one for Rookie of the Year. Tank Dell's on the board. He's sixth on the board for Rookie of the Year, John. Offensive Rookie of the Year, 16-1, to one, Tank Dell. Or Will Anderson, who's second on the Defensive Rookie of the Year board at 7.5-1. to one. I'm giving you 100 bucks, John. Which of those bets are you placing? Anderson being one of the top two, and he's been he and Jalen Carter. Carter is going to get it already because he gets so much attention playing for an unbeaten team in a big media market that gets a lot of national attention and plays national games. Will Anderson doesn't. So even though he's one of the top two and went into the season as the favorite, I would say Stroud has a better chance because he's a quarterback. You don't see many quarterbacks winning offensive rookie of the year, and you don't see receivers very seldom. But So that's why if I had 100 bucks to bet on any of them, the one I think is the surest thing would be Stroud, but the one that's a long shot, if they were to win the division, D'Amico's going to be coach of the year, maybe yeah. coach of the decade. Yeah, he's eighth overall on the board right now for coach of the year. So this win this win has garnered the Texans and C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryan's a lot of attention with the uh, the folks in Vegas. Well, they deserve it. They yeah. you know they 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 may be this time next week. We may talk about him getting hurt or getting sacked five times, but this week they've gotten a lot of well deserved attention in a lot of places. And I'm I'm happy for them because they worked hard to get that recognition. You and I um, are going to obviously preview the Steelers coming to town in the next episode where we kind of lay out all the storylines for the game. But what are your early thoughts as you've started to kind of examine this? I'd imagine you watched the Steelers on Sunday Night Football against the Raiders. They seem to they seem to at least get a little bit of consistency going offensively, whereas Kenny Pickett through the first two games had been maybe the worst quarterback in all of football. He looked better. They still could have lost that game. Man, mm-hmm. Raiders blew a chance to at least tie it and force overtime. And they and they Josh McDaniels made a terrible coaching decisions, a lot of bad coaching decisions over the weekend. And I thought still it's the pass rush. When I look at George Fant and Josh Jones at tackle, let's see now. TJ Fan, who's going to get the edge there? Alex Highsmith, who's going to get the edge there? They've, they've got some injuries, but George Pickens, you know, he can catch the ball deep. Their running game, they've got a two-headed monster, but they're not as they're not intimidating. The only intimidating thing they got right now are their pass rushers. And so Stroud again is going to have to get rid of the ball, but he's coming off the game with no sacks, four hits, three by Josh Allen, and he's going to have to get the ball out, and it's going to have to be fast, and it's going to have to be accurate. I picked them to win this game before the Jacksonville game, John. You know that. I said the Texans' first win of the year is going to be against Pittsburgh at home on that J.J. Watt Sunday. So I got to stand by that. Yes, you do. Yeah. We'll get your prediction later in the week. I know you got to go in the lab with all your 
like goodwill hunting with all your equations on the board and things like that and figure out who it is you're, you're going to take in this thing. It'll take me about one second. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I know where this is going. Save it for Thursday. Um, all right. Um, we're going to get to the mailbag in a second, but we do a little feature on the podcast called uh, General News and Notes from John McClain, where he starts to lay out a few things for us this week. General, what do you have? First of all, the Andrew Beck kickoff return of 85 yards has gotten more I think it's gotten more run on the highlight shows than either of Tank Dell's long catches, and deservedly so. Uh, we all know about he was the, let's see, the first guy over 250 pounds to have a kickoff return for a touchdown. and uh, But that is the first time it's ever been done in Texans history to have a block field goal. That was by Will Anderson, Jr., and you have a kickoff return for a touchdown. So that's first. That hadn't been done in the NFL since 2010 when the Patriots did it. So that is a rarity pulled off by the Texans. And then John Lopez asked me on in the loop, should Andrew Beck get more opportunities to return kickoffs? He won't, but why not? Because when you watch that over and over and over, he made some good plays along the sideline and he's not (laughs) slow and big guys. A big guy like him can break more tackles than a smaller 205-pound guy like Mike Boone. You're not being serious. You and Lopez are not being serious about this. Putting putting Andrew Beck back there like like he's oh, – I uh, told him it's never going to happen. Like he's Jacoby Jones or something like that. Like well, he's he, hey. he, he took advantage of a very helter-skelter – A, a helter-skelter situation, and B, an incredibly poorly coached special teams unit in Jacksonville. He broke five tackles. Right. But no, of course they're not going to do it. The other thing is you sound uh, like you and Lopez sound like you think they should do it though. No, I, no, Lopez said they should, and I said, I said, uh, I told Figgy to hike it. You hiked it on there, okay, John? Yeah. Thank you. Okay, gotcha. Now the, the other one we've seen a lot of interesting stats about Stroud, yeah. and uh, this is, I thought the best one of all. He's the first quarterback in history to have at least 900 yards, four touchdowns without an interception in his first three games in NFL history. Yeah. Now that's kind of weird. You'd think some quarterback, because there have been some great rookie quarterbacks, three that come to mind in their rookie years were really good, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott. They all had winning records. None of them ever did it. Mm-mm. At least 900 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions, first time in history. And another one I liked about Tank Dell, as we all know, Andre Johnson's greatest receiver in NFL history, in Texans history. But Texans Andre history. now no longer has the record for most catches yards by rookie. That he did have 122 yards. Tank had 145. Tank's going to have opportunities to break that 145, and uh, he also has 251 yards. After three games, Andre had 249. So Andre Johnson, step aside, make room for the tank. Make room for the tank. Yeah, Tank Dell's the real deal, man. And John, he was doing that from the beginning of training camp. This is not a surprise to anybody. Same way that Blake Cashman's interception should not be a surprise to anybody who was at training camp. Both those guys were doing things that they had been doing since the start of training camp. The only difference is Blake Cashman's been injured for the last month. But he played really, really well in that game. Those are good numbers, John. I like those. He did. And if he can stay healthy, he's got to stay in the lineup. I don't care if you have Denzel Perryman or Toto in the middle, but Cashman has got to be out there because he made the, that diving interception. Tank Dell couldn't have made one better. Nico Collins couldn't have made one better. 
And then the fact that he fell on the fumble force by Eric Murray, he's heads up. He's D'Amico keeps talking about playmakers. Well, he's got one in Cashman, but Cashman has to stay healthy. He has to stay healthy. John, the other linebackers haven't been good. I mean, I know Toa Toa made a bunch of tackles, but he didn't play a great game. And he had a lot on his plate. He had the green label on the back of his helmet. He was calling all the defenses. And Christian Harris has not been good this year. You know, he's yeah, he struggled he's, in coverage big time. Big time. He and, and and the play, the one play where they had the you know, the classic, you know, get everybody going one way and the tight end gets going the other way play with Ingram. I mean, Christian Harris, I think, is still running to the left on the screen right now. Like <laughs> he was he was nowhere to be found. So uh, D'Amico's forte is coaching up linebackers specifically. He he needs to get in the lab with Christian Harris and 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 get him straightened out. He's he's not been good so far this we'll year. Get in the lab and get some more linebackers. Yeah, that too. That too. All right, that's good stuff, John. I like the uh, the general news and notes and the stats. Those are fun stats. Tank Dell and of course the Anthony or the Andrew Beck, I should say, uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. John, you ready for some mailbag here? I sure am. All right, let's do it. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. H O U mailbag at gmail.com. We start with Gerard in spring. How many games do the Texans have the advantage at quarterback the rest of the season? I actually, I'm actually doing a blog post for the Houston Press on this tomorrow, John. When I got this mailbag question, I said, I'm going to sit down and, and figure this out. And I've got the list of quarterbacks in front of me, John, as to who they play the rest of the year. But I, I think... If this is who C.J. Stroud is, and I'm not just saying Sunday against Jacksonville when he was spectacular. That's obviously – that version of C.J. is a top five or six quarterback in the league. He was great. I'm talking about the sum total of the, sum total of the, of the three games um, that, that C.J. Stroud has played in so far, with some up, some down, mostly up. I think he's better than a majority – I think he's better than at least eight or nine quarterbacks on their schedule the rest of the way. And I'm being kind to some of these guys by, by – by, uh, by saying that, but I, and I can lay it out if you want to, but what does your gut tell you about CJ versus what we know is not a murderer's row of teams or quarterbacks the rest of the way? What amazes me is how well he's playing despite the issues in the offensive line. I was watching the Eagles on Monday night, DeAndre Swift just roaring through these huge holes. It's amazing. And I'm thinking they may never have one like that. You can't get everything right in the first year when you have a new head coach. You have a new head coach for a reason. The team was terrible. So Stroud, so much of what he's done was with struggles up front. Yes, they're coming off their best game, and you hope they'll continue to get better. So, so much of what he does depends on the offensive line because they can't keep throwing the ball as much as he is. He has an all-time record in attempts by rookie quarterbacks, and he blew that away. Warren Moon had that one. Warren was a 28-year-old rookie in 1984 with the uh, Oilers. And so I'm going to say he's probably – as good or got a chance to be better than I, I have to think if you go in, let's go over. You go through the list. I'll say okay. yes or no. You say yes or no. Just gut reaction. Okay. I'll go in order. Kenny Pickett. Better. Better. Desmond Ritter. Better. Derek Carr. I can't say better since he's had some great years. That's fine. That's fine. Bryce Young. Better. Baker Mayfield. Uh, boy, Baker looked really bad, but I'm going to say better. I think anybody in the league would take Stroud over Baker. Joe Burrow. Uh, not as good. No, no. But Burrow's banged up. I mean, that's, you know, um, and we'll see. It's week 10. He's got time. Josh Dobbs. Uh, better. Trevor Lawrence. Uh, can't take him over a generational quarterback. Yeah, I can't either. I, I'm the same with you. You and I are the same so far on these, John. Russell Wilson. 
Um, boy, he's been to Super Bowls and everything else. Right now, I would take Stroud. He sucks. I would too, John. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. Zach Wilson. Well, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Simeon. In time to yeah. Texas play, he'll be the quarterback. He might be. He might be. They um, just signed him to the practice squad. Let me let me finish these out, John, because this is proving proving our point here. They've got two games against Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, and by then it could be Malik Willis or 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 uh, Will Levis, or does it even matter? Stroud's better than all those guys. He's better than all of them. Unless Steve McNair comes back or Warren Moon, he's going to be better. Deshaun Watson, uh, I'll take Watson. Yeah, I will too. Anthony Richardson, uh, 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 Stroud. Yeah, that's ten, John. That's ten out of the fourteen games. You just said better. Wow. Isn't that amazing? These guys played three games, so which means we may be jumping the gun on all this. But I think it says – I think it probably says as much about how weak the schedule is as to how good C.J. Stroud is. But I think both things are in play, don't you? Absolutely. Let's do this again like once a month. Yeah, absolutely. We will. It's a fun exercise when your quarterback's actually good. <laughs> you know what? He didn't play bad in the first game. And in his second game, he played really well. He didn't get much attention. But now because they blew out the Jaguars, people nationally are starting to praise the heck out of him. And to me, right now, there's no comparison between him and Bryce Young and Anthony Richardson because they're hurt. But, boy, neither one of them. Richardson was impressive running the ball, as Mm -hmm. we knew he would be. But right now, Stroud's all about throwing the ball. And last time I looked, quarterback's supposed to win by throwing. Yep. Uh, by the way, John, Bryce Young's odds on rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, Ooh. 40 to one. Stroud's two and a half to one. Well, he can, make a, he can make a big recovery. He can. He's got 14 games. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Matthew Kosecki has a Deshaun Watson question. What's the most likely scenario? Watson plays all 17 games and Stefanski coaches all 17 games this year. Watson gets benched for rookie Dorian Thompson Robinson, who looks better than Watson, or three. Watson and DTR both crap out, and Stefanski gets fired at the end of the year. Number one, Watson's coming off a great game. He was fabulous, and uh, he didn't have Nick Chubb, and it didn't matter. Defense was great. He was great. Everybody feeling better about him and Stefanski. It could change, but I'm not going to say any of the others when he's coming off such an impressive performance. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I've thought all along Deshaun's going to be back to close to normal this year. I think what affects him the most – Come a month from now is the weather coming off of the lake there up in Ohio. I think that's that that's probably a bigger um, impediment to him putting up big numbers than him not grasping the offense or anything like and that. And the division games are all outside. Yeah, they are. They are. Yeah, it ain't just Cleveland. It's Baltimore. It's Pittsburgh. It's it's Cincy. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, Charles Honeycutt. I know it's still early, but I'm very happy that we pick C.J. Stroud as our QB. He seems to be the QB that fits very well on our team thus far. In a way, I guess we have to thank Lovey for winning our final game last year. That's the entire mailbag question, John. There's no real question, just an ode to Lovey Smith right here from Charles Honeycutt. We, but we had a few emails like that in the mailbag of people. I, and I think the point is, I, the, I guess the point with all this is like, okay, when you're when you're trying to tank, nobody knows. You know what I mean? Like, with, and you're trying to lose games to get the first overall pick, unless it is Trevor Lawrence versus all these other guys. Nobody knows. You know. Nobody knows and nobody tanks. You yeah. know, they, people thought Arizona tanked and they just beat the Cowboys. Maybe the Cowboys are tanking so they can get a replacement for Dak Prescott. Yeah. Um, Derwin and Cypress, how much credit do the coaches deserve on Sunday versus players? Are we not giving D'Amico enough credit for the adjustments made 
or was it Ward, Stroud, Anderson, Beck, Cashman? Were they the majority of the reason? Because I don't think the Jags played to lose. They got outplayed and outcoached. Definitely not used to that in H in, in definitely not used used to that in the H football wise. What did you think of the coaching job on Sunday, John? I gave the coaching an A on my report card. D'Amico's in charge of overall, but he makes the calls on defense. Bobby Slowick, as the offensive coordinator, makes the calls. Gerard Johnson, quarterback coach, spends the most time with Stroud during the week. Then Shane Day and Bill Lazor, senior offensive assistants, they figure in the formulation of the game plan. Even Ben McDaniels, Josh's brother, you know, he's the passing game coordinator, mm-hmm. and he's a wide receivers coach. So it's obvious Stroud – in his progress, those guys are coaching the hell out of him, or he wouldn't be making it. Yeah, he's they're doing a. I was really critical of Slowick after the Colts game, mostly because of the way he managed the second half of that game. It was just, I just thought lack of urgency, and I just thought poor game management and poor clock management, and that really bothered me because I feel like that's the easiest thing to do is make the right decision as it pertains to the clock, you know. Um, and so I was real critical of him, but. Um, he's restored a lot of faith for me in the game on Sunday against Jacksonville, especially with all the missing, the missing pieces. And I think the fact too, that this receiver room, which I always thought was better than the critics gave it credit for, but I didn't think it'd be this good. I think Tank Dell would be this impactful early on and that Nico would look like a number one wide receiver and that Robert Woods would be such a reliable target for Stroud. That's a really, that's been a really nice, I think complimentary trio of receivers stylistically, John. You know, there's a you got the big guy in Nico over the middle, you got Woods, who's kind of the KG vet, and you got Tank Dell, who is I he's a deep obviously he's a deep threat, but he gets open all over. He's a he's a lot like Will Fuller in that way. Fuller was, I thought, very underrated for his ability to get open over the middle and make all sorts of catches. Hopefully he just stays healthier than Will Fuller did. Nico Collins spent a lot of time in the weight room because he's breaking a lot of tackles. Now yeah. he's got to be able to stay healthy because I'll guarantee you, considering his his uh, penchant for getting hurt, his first two years, people are holding their breath. But when guys have a chance to make big money, they have a habit of staying healthy. And Nico's been tremendous. And that play right before the first half for 29 yards, he, he looked – I thought he was going to run out the clock trying to fight for the goal line. But it worked out perfectly. Let me go back to the coaches. One of the things I like so far, got rookie head coach, rookie coordinator, and uh, rookie quarterback. So they're going to make mistakes. The key is, do they learn? Uh, They had the clock management problems with the timeouts in the first game. They admitted it. Haven't had an issue since. That second game where Sloick was too conservative when they were trying to come back late in the third quarter, handing the ball off, they're not doing it. So – that's what I like is you don't see repetition when it comes to mistakes as long as we're not talking about penalties in the offensive line. No, this this seems to be a smart football team. You know, it, where, where the most important places are to be smart. I feel like some of those leaders on defense are really smart football players. Jimmy Ward, um, Toa Toa, I think, is a, I think, I think he's a smart football player. Obviously, C.J. Stroud, really, really smart quarterback. And then the coaching staff, I've been very impressed just in listening to these guys and just watching this team. This team does not play – they they're they're an inferior team in many ways talent wise to other teams in the league but i don't watch this team play and go this is a dumb football team whereas i've I've watched some versions of the texans the last few years i said this this is not a smart football team nor smart coaching staff (laughs) um just is what it is chris in the atl frequent emailer to the mailbag chris we appreciate you if the astros miss the playoffs dusty is gone right (laughs) i think if they miss the playoffs dusty will be gone i have no way of knowing but 
I, Jim Crane's not going to sit on his hands if they don't make the playoffs because he knows they're good enough. And the way they stunk it up against the Royals and the A's at home, which is so confounding, be three games under 500 at home, go to Seattle, and then they look like the old Astros and you're banging your head, head on the wall saying, where have you been? Why did you wait? This is all so unnecessary. If you had nine games against the A's and the uh, Royals, if you'd just taken care of business, but I think heads are going to roll if this team doesn't make the playoffs because it's good enough. You can't use excuses. Those injuries happened before September, and they've been in their worst since the middle of September on. Yeah, these are playoff games right now, John. These Seattle absolutely. games, are, they're, they're absolutely playoff games. By the way, Chris says, on a totally unrelated note, I heard John mention the arrows in his history covering them in one of the previous episodes. Just wanted to share a jersey pick from their inaugural season. He attached it to the email that he still owns today. He used to love going to the games as a kid, he says. Loves the hey, arrows. com, and I got a long column of remembrances of my two years of covering them. Nice. Like it. All right. Um, Roman on the north side, John. I like this one. Guys, I know the Texans aren't winning a Super Bowl next season, but CJ's start to the season has me excited that they're moving in the right direction. So what are the chances that these small incremental steps happen this season? Okay, there's four of them, John. These are these are fun. What are the chances we at least have a discussion about a game getting flexed into primetime late in the season? Maybe one of those Tennessee games or maybe the Deshaun Christmas Eve game. Just discussion. It doesn't happen, but we don't sound silly discussing it. Uh, No. Okay. Um, what are the chances that we are in the in the hunt column for the playoffs with like three weeks to go in the season? You know, they've got the division winners. That's what you want to see. In is the wild card. And then they've got like the five teams that are in the hunt. John, by my estimation, I think if they're like six and eight with three weeks to go, they'll be in that column. So what do you think? Ah, why not? Okay. Boy, you sound really uh, emphatic about this, John. Uh, how about this one? Head coaching hot lists include Bobby Slowick or some other Texans assistants after the season. I don't think it's going to happen with Slowick being a coordinator for one year, even though he's a disciple of Kyle Shanahan and his system. I think Bobby's going to have to be here two or three years and just marked improvement. Like Sean and I both picked him to win six games. If they do that, that's not going to get you ahead in interviews. But next year, if they're competing for the playoffs, and in, right now, this division doesn't look like it's going to be special next year either. It's definitely winnable. Then after they have some success and make the playoffs, yes, people are going to be looking at Bobby Slowick. Last one, um, chances that either CJ or Will is the favorite down the stretch for one of the two Rookie of the Year awards. Well, I, think I think both chance. of them. Yeah, yeah, I think both have a chance right now. Will's number two. He went in number one. Jalen Carter has got to stay healthy because he's on a he's on a Super Bowl team that's trying to go back, and, and he's on a great defensive line with a lot of talent. So that's going to help him make big plays. Will Anderson doesn't have those luxuries. He gets so much more attention. But I think CJ right now would have the best chance if he can stay healthy, especially with his receivers playing as well as they are. And imagine what can happen if they get their line intact and they start getting an effective running game like they had before Damian Pierce went down for the season with four games left. Yeah, I, I just love that question. Those four things. I mean, those are four things that 
no, t- no team that has Super Bowl aspirations gets excited about these things, but a team that had to deal with David Culley, Lovey Smith, Jack Easterby, all sorts of chicanery, Davis Mills for two years. These are all things that are fun, John, that Roman sent in. Absolutely. And they, they have not been in the mix for the last couple of years. So I, I like that question a lot, um, especially the one with the in the hunt graphic. That just appeals to my uh, my desires for this season. Last one, Jim from Northern Michigan says, thanks, guys. You're killing it every week on the podcast. Um, he says, I, he also thanks us for getting you a new mic, John. He was one of the ones complaining about our levels on the podcast. So, um, thanks for Northern Michigan. That's okay. He's very happy. He loves the pod says, I don't know how it works with trainers and, and minor coaches, whatever that means, but do all these injuries mean there's an issue with the Texans coaching staff or trainers? Surely they should adapt to individual player needs. Take the coaching staff out of it. Like I, I do get that a lot. Like at what point with all these injuries, do we point the finger at the training staff? It's the same training training staff they've had for a long time. It's the same doctors they have from the Houston Medical Center. Yeah. They're, they're among the best in the country, and there's a lot of teams that got a lot of injuries. I went over ESPNs where they do a thing every week with their beat guys about stock up and stock down, mm-hmm. and so many of them were the offensive lines because of injuries. I was amazed how many teams now. None have the injuries that the Texans do, but so many when a team loses – it's because of the line and problems up front. Oh, yeah. it's it, it, Some of the injuries this year have been wild, man. Um, and I do wonder how much of it has to do with how teams are managing training camp and holding guys out of games. And It has a lot to do with it. And I'll yeah. tell you what, I am – as we uh, – I went to on Saturday at Oakhurst Golf Club, the 70th birthday party for Vernon Perry, the great mm. love you blue safety. Vernon still has the NFL's all-time record with four – Four picks in a game against the Chargers when they pulled a huge upset. And a lot of the former Oilers were there. And we're talking about injuries. And guys today, they take it so easy on them compared to the way they used to. And yet, there's not any more injuries back then than there are now. Yeah. And they think it's because they don't get as much time hitting. They think specifically the offensive line which uh, they need a lot of hard work building up to when the season starts, and they don't get it. They think it's hard work. And then tonight, on Tuesday night, I'm going to the Houstonian for the rap party Hmm. for the Bomb Phillips Love You Blue documentary that will be out in December. And uh, I'll be around a bunch more of those former Oilers, and we'll be talking about a lot because they're blown away too by how many guys get hurt today compared to when they used to have full contact two a days, three hours, twice a day. And uh, they all say there's just as many today or more. Yeah. I, I think that's been, that's been borne out. Now maybe, you know, it could be where just your quality of life after the game is better for guys these days. Cause of that tight, you know, the, 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 the punishment that affects ends up affecting your life as opposed to how good you are on Sundays, you know, um, which I think matters, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's a wild dynamic. Uh, the the uh, it's the, never going to change either. Remote management, no, it's not. Well, it's, it's collectively bargained now. You know, it's for the most part. Um, so you're right; it's not going to change. Um, John, what do you got going on on SportsRadio610.com? I have an Astros column on SportsRadio610.com. I have Texans column on CJ Stroud. I'm going to have another Astros Thursday. I'm going to have another Texans on Wednesday, and on Friday I'll have my five things to watch against the Steelers, and it's JJ White week. Going to be a really exciting weekend. Topped off by halftime of the game in which JJ's 
he'll go up in the ring of honor with Bob McNair and Andre Johnson. Should be a great, great weekend. That's going to be a, a really, really cool ceremony. Can't wait to see that. Can't wait to see JJ back in town here. All the Texans, former Texans coming back into town for this thing um, is going to be, uh, it's going yeah, to be something Unfortunately, else. his brother's going to be here. Well, maybe he'll be distracted, John. You know, maybe, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe TJ will be, uh, maybe you know, he'll ease up a little bit. Yeah, sure. You know what? You know what would really make it a nice day for JJ is if he let TJ let the Texans win. And just make it a, a you know just a, a beautiful day all around for all of us. Yeah, maybe that maybe he'll do. JJ's pit pulling for Pittsburgh over the Texans. Ooh, because it is his brother, and his other brother played for him too. He did. I know. I He's know. Big on family, but he is. I know he loves the Texans. He loves D'Amico. Big fan. He visited with D'Amico a lot when he was here doing a charity event uh, earlier this month, and uh, so JJ, he's pumped about this. I've yeah. talked to him about it. Kalia, his wife's pumped about it. And I'm, I'm guessing his little baby, Koa's pumped about it. Just I'm sure Koa probably doesn't shut up about it. That's all he talks about is dad going into the ring of honor. <laughs> and soon he'll have tea, you know. And, and uh, Good stuff, John. Appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to previewing this game in a couple of days here on the podcast. Me too, Sean. Thank you. You bet. That's the great John McClain right there, uh, the Hall of Famer. Uh, our producer, James Jackson. Big thanks to him for getting the podcast out to all of you. We remind you. To click the subscribe button uh, if you're getting this pod or tell a friend especially if you a friend who's a texans fan make, make sure to tell them this has been a fun week to talk texans it's always much more fun when they're winning um, and this feels like a win where maybe there's some seeds being planted for more wins in the future as opposed to some fugazi wins that we saw we'll do it for real with fugazi later this week um, but uh, big thanks to james he does an awesome job getting the podcast to, to all of you guys so for james for john i'm sean we are out of time. We will see all of you in a couple of days. Thanks for tuning in to the Utopia Football Podcast. Have a great day, everybody.